you, Derek. Um, so, uh, my name's Stuart, as you know. Um, I'm one of the key leaders here. Um, just to give you a glimpse into myself, I'm a Liverpool fan. Come on, Villa, help us out, please. Um, that might turn some people completely off of listening to me now, but um, I know there are some Liverpool fans in the room as well. But we're going to not talk about Liverpool today, we're going to talk about Jesus. Um, and last Sunday, Steve opened up this journey that we're on over the, over the summer months um, to discover more depth and a challenge to becoming like Jesus. Now, obviously, there is no shortcut to the finish line, um, but there are fundamental areas that God is wanting to shape in us and even reorientate our trajectory. Today, we're going to look at becoming like Jesus through community. And I'll be honest, I've struggled on this journey because I feel like I'm talking to a mirror this morning. And I'm not just, I'm not talking out of a place of strength. I'm talking out of a place of talking to a mirror and saying, God, you've put this on me to say to me as well as to you guys as well. Many cultures around the world um, see relationship and community as their principal form of identity. Let's be honest, it's not something we're great at here in the West. Um, the late Archbishop Desmond Tutu took an old African proverb and explained it. A person is a person through persons. None of us come into the world fully formed. We would not know how to think, walk or speak or behave as human beings unless we'd learnt it from other human beings. We need other human beings in order to be human. I am because other people are. A person is entitled to a stable community life, and the first of these communities is the family. And today we're going to talk on what is community to us here. It's our church family here. And we're going to journey through the Bible, explore together the importance of relationships in community that we call church family. And I've said this before, um, this kind of little illustration. Our need to journey with others is a bit like coal in a fireplace. When they're all together, they can be red hot. But as soon as you take a pair of tongs and separate the coals so they're not touching each other, within minutes, they are coals. So what I'm saying is to build community where we're accountable, where we're walking with others in our journey towards Jesus, where we're challenged, where we're disturbed, disturbed the comfortable in us. That's what I'm talking about this morning as we talk about community. So firstly, community starts with God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, perfect community, perfect unity. In the first book in the Bible, Genesis 1 verse 26, it says, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. The us is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Creator designs us in His image to be in community and unity. So the starting place to become like Jesus is returning who we were designed to be and how we were designed to live. The rest of the way, the rest of this journey is how we live it out. It's complicated. 
it changes generation after generation as our world around us develops, redevelops, unravels, repairs, rebuilds, restores, and everything in between. But we wanted to come back to who God designed us to be. God as us designed us. Now I'm afraid I don't have the time or the ability to go right through the entire Bible explaining this whole journey of what it means to live in community. But I'm going to pick out a few things as we've started in Genesis. And throughout the early part of the Bible in the Old Testament, we read about the story of God. We see that living in community is displayed as following God together, even though um, God's people didn't know where they were going, didn't know what was happening for extended periods of time. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They grumbled. They saw miraculous provision moments. They grumbled. And some of the time, they were actually aware of God's presence with them. But a lot of the time, they didn't. And then they grumbled. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? But one of the things in that, that group of Israelites that were wandering around... And I'm saying this kind of as an aside, but actually this is part of what they learned. It's living in the community. But they learned to be a welcoming people, to be hospitable. But not just to people like us. But the invitation to be part of God's family is for all. In Exodus 23 verse 9 it says, Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. And in Leviticus 19, verse 34, it says, the foreigners residing among you must be treated as native-born. Love them as yourself, for you are foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. God gives Israel's pe- the people of Israel a reason why, because they knew what it felt like to be a foreigner. The Israelites were called were to call on their empathy for refugees because they'd been treated cruelly themselves. They weren't to cheat them or disadvantage them in any way. God is recalling out of his people here now on this planet to do that again. Welcome and hospitality are at the heart of community. That's what the Israelite people saw. Now you might be thinking, where am I going with this? I want you to look around. Have a look around. Not everyone in this room is like you. A few, you say. <laughs> Some of them go, oh. But to live in community, we have to welcome and be hospitable to everyone from every part of life, every walk of life. Some are like you. Some have had your same journey, even. Some not. But God designed us to to be together. We need to lean into his heart, particularly for those on the outside, for those on the fringe. Let's just put in that as a little on the side as we journey through. Always look for those on the outside. Welcome and be hospitable. 30 years ago, this August, I arrived in Bristol. I was five years old. Come on. 
And I've lived 29 of those years in BS7, in this area. I know some of you, um, I met four people um, in the first few days um, who are still in this church family here. And they're people who taught me, not by what they said, but how they lived their lives. They experience, and I experienced life with them that leads me to become like Jesus. The first person I met was a guy called Chilean. He's not here this morning. Chilean was my housemate. I'd never met him before. And when I moved here, he taught me by his incredible life story what it was to forgive. He taught me God's heart for justice in a very broken world. He came from Sri Lanka and has an incredible story. Get to know Chile. He's got an amazing story of what God has done in his life. Then I met Crispy. Where is he? Over there. Chris has taught me more than anyone what it means to be a Jesus-centered, servant-hearted, generous person. Thank you, Chris. And then I met Adrian Rose. They owned the house that I was renting. They demonstrated to me back then and continuously for the last 30 years what welcome, hospitality and resilience looks like in a Jesus-like way. I want to thank you all. I don't do that enough. I want to thank you. Even in the last uh, few months, there have been two young brothers in this room who have inspired me with their worshipping hearts in a way that's reminded me that gathered worship really is really important. And the Holy Spirit's doing big stuff in me. I could go on. There are other people of all ages, all backgrounds, for me, that have taught me by how they live that living in community here in this church has challenged me to follow Jesus, to become like Jesus. I'm not the best at appreciating people. I know we can all say that to ourselves at different times, but I am thankful to God for you. We carry on through the Bible. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we read words of wisdom that are about community. Often they're mentioned in marriage services, but actually this wasn't written with that in purpose. So it's important for us all to get this. In chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes, it says two are better than one because they are a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can you keep one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quick or broken. These verses show us the great value of human relationships, of connecting together, that two are better than one. Living and working together is a great advantage. It brings four things to life. Productivity. There'll be great reward for their labor. Their help in needs. If they fall down, one would lift them up. A friend, a companion would lift them up. There's comfort in life when two or more together they keep warm. There's safety and security. 
Community is at the heart of relationships. The writer finishes the, the line, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It's commonly understood that that third cord is God himself. That relationship with us and God intertwined is what will hold us together. It's what becoming like Jesus is around. And we go through the old, right through the Old Testament again and again. I encourage you, open your eyes, take the filters off. Say, God, what are you saying about community within this? And into the New Testament, Jesus himself models that. He had three close friends, disciples, who came and experienced different parts of his life in the three years that he journeyed with them. Then he had 12 who journeyed even further and 72 who kind of were sent out and did a load of miraculous stuff. Jesus modeled that it wasn't just him kind of doing his thing. He brought people with him. Jesus built on what had gone on for centuries before him. All that had experienced of the people of God. And then all the wisdom that was shared. And he set the bar at a new foundation. He set it new and fresh for us. And the early church took on that mantle. And in Acts chapter 2, we read this. As we read this, notice how many times you see the, the aspect of community. There they, doing life together. In chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to every, anyone who had needs. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who had been saved. You see this this aspect of community that's inbuilt within the early church. The Greek word koinion, oh gosh, I knew I would be able to say that, I was practicing it before. Koinonia is commonly translated here as fellowship. There isn't an actual kind of group, um, English equivalent. It's more than just socialising. Often we talk of fellowship, oh, it's just having a cup of tea or something. But it's something that's far much more deeper. The word means holding our lives in common. So the first century Christians demonstrated that, that meaning through spiritual, social, material generosity towards one another. In the early church, there was a relationship between these, these followers of Jesus who are passionate about God and their generosity to each other. So close were these relationships that they did not see themselves as isolated individuals, as coals, not part of a fire together. But they saw themselves as members one of another, of community. And that's why the early church exploded. God's Holy Spirit came on them together 
exploded and people were added daily to their number of those being saved. And I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of a whistle-stop tour of this kind of journey of right throughout the Bible that being in community draws people to Jesus. We become like Jesus. And that's something we're grappling with. In a post-COVID, uncertain, crisis-fueled world, we need to do this better. We need to understand, not just for our own kind of, we're just going to hopefully survive, but that we become like Jesus. Firstly, in our lives, there are seasons of connectedness, connectivity, and loneliness. Community involves being connected. It's one of the fastest changing realities in our culture nowadays about connectivity. We are arguably the most connected generation that has ever lived, but also the most disconnected and lonely generation. The internet, social media, 24-hour news channels, Zoom, global travel, it has shaped how we think and interact with our world, which has been helpful, but a lot of unhelpful stuff going on. Remember, two and a bit years ago now, during the early part of the pandemic, connectivity through social media and Zoom and online platforms was actually really helpful for us. This is a photo of me leading worship with a camera. Just me in a room at Ebby. Looks nice and kind of slick, doesn't it? This is the behind the scenes. On the next one. It was messy. It was a room full of food bank boxes. Several times they fell over during filming. As a church, we were trying to connect. But behind the scenes, in our lives, there was so much mess going on. So much carnage. It was strange days. But it taught us what a deeper way of worshipping God. So much connectivity, but also so much loneliness. Mother Teresa once said, loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. Of all the diseases I have known, loneliness is the worst. We need to continue to learn how to rebuild and repair connectivity with each other. And recognize this is different in different generations. We're in different places, so let's listen to each other better. Listen to how we connect and inspire each other to continue to follow Jesus as we connect. If social media and news channels are kind of messing your head, turn them off. I'm grateful to social media at the moment because I, yesterday I saw my boy swimming with turtles because we got sent a little video across social media. He's in Cyprus. It's a little bit warmer. So recognize that we're in all in different places. A few things just to encourage you, maybe to, to take step out in. Maybe reconnecting with people. 
Maybe when you think about connectivity, you're thinking, oh, I don't feel connected. Is there someone that you could drop a note in or email or send a message? Arrange to meet up with a coffee. Is there someone in this church family that you're thinking, I haven't caught up with them for so long. I'm going to make a point of that. Maybe you're thinking, just that's too far. I need some new connections. Maybe there's a rhythm in your life that you need to change. Start a new hobby. Turn something you like doing into a, a way of kind of connecting with other people. I came across these helpful thoughts from a, a really great charity called Mind and Soul Foundation um, around making connections. And they said this, maybe you have done this already or already in a smaller group you're part of, but still feel like people don't really know you or tick that real friend box. How do you start to share a bit more of yourself? Remember, you don't have to tell your whole life story in one go. And in fact, it's worth deliberately taking things one step at a time. Try sharing one thing about yourself that is a bit more personal, a bit of your story, something going on in life right now. See how they react. If they don't seem too interested, just move the conversation on. Because it maybe it isn't that person who's ready to build something deeper. But if it does resonate with them, and they share back, and seem really interested and want to understand, maybe that's a good sign that you can meet up again. Try build something deeper. Just really helpful kind of thoughts. In our church context, what does that look like? That could be your small groups that we have as part of church. It could be on a serving team. We find with our worship team, sometimes you might think we just have a kind of a great time having a you know, playing some instruments and stuff. But we've had some really deep connection times as we worship together, as we pray for each other in our kind of monthly times and practices. Maybe it's mentoring, maybe it's the short courses. I know some people are doing the Be Still course at the moment. Places to connect, places to dare to open up a little further. Connectivity actually helps us to become like Jesus as we come together and we open up. Secondly, as we look at those experiences in the Bible, we see that encouragement and challenge are the two sides of the same coin. And it's something that we need to rebuild in our lives. Throughout Proverbs, there are a number of Proverbs that would encourage you on this. I'm just picking out two. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. And Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. These Proverbs and many others show that we become who we spend time with. People who spend time with me will end up with a West Country accent. <laughs> I was just checking your weight, so, to be honest. Um, as we journey with Christians in our church family, we need to find ways to connect with each other, to call out the good stuff in people. If you spot potential hard gifts in someone, then find ways that work for them, that work for them, to call that out and encourage them. 
I'd encourage that with people you know well and those who you're getting to know. Let's grow a place that is a culture of encouragement. Because that isn't just good for us. It leads us to Jesus and it overflows to our world. But also in that place of encouragement, you can then call out challenge. In that place of encouragement, you can then call out challenge. My own experience is challenging each other to become like Jesus. It's hard. Especially when it means facing up to internal stuff. Your motives, your habits, your internal holiness stuff going on. But it's about not about calling that stuff out and saying, you're wrong, pointing finger type thing. It's the how you do that. Be full of grace and willingness to stick with people on a journey as they work stuff out. Not judging. Judging is not our place. I also realise that some of this is not simple. And to be honest, the older you get, the harder it gets on this. Finally, as we come towards a time of responding to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us individually or together, we need to recognise that all, all of us face unseen and unseen stuff in our lives. We need to let God grow in us a Jesus-like resilience. What I said about Adrian and Rose earlier is they demonstrated to me of Jesus-like resilience. That isn't a stiff upper lift attitude, but moving forward with the Holy Spirit, repairing, rebuilding, restoring us. One of the things I just, just read about recently is, I like that thought that Jesus' resurrected body still had scars. Nail pierced holes in his hands and a spear pierced hole in his side. Those scars are still part of us, but it doesn't define us going forward. When stuff happens in life where you get knocked down and you kind of, I don't know how to get going again, God is building resilience in us, but the scars still remain, but they don't define us. Patrick Regan, who I've quoted loads of times here, um, set up the Kintsugi Hope charity. A number of you have done that Kintsugi Hope course. He's spoken here a few times and he says, says this, it turns out kindness is the key to resilience. One GP said, being well and healthy is like rowing a boat. Illness or other types of problems can be thought of as crashing into a rock. Most approaches to tackle difficulties tend to focus on the rock, but the rock or the problem is only half the story. The water level represents our background level of resilience. When we're feeling good in ourselves, with our emotional reserves at a high level, we may float above the rocks on a bad day. When we're feeling depleted, our level's low, we're more likely to crash. What raises and lowers your water level? Becoming like Jesus through community is seeing our Jesus-like resilience increase. 
Becoming like Jesus through community is seeing our Jesus levels in us increase. The water levels rise. We've got each other's backs. We're standing alongside each other. And then change comes. Change always comes. I look back on my long journey here in Ebby and I see how people stuck with me. How they've orientated me towards Jesus, not by telling me to do it, but just how they live their lives. And I want to encourage us that we all do that. We all have a place in that. That's not just somebody up the front. We all have a place to live lives, to connect with others, to reorientate ourselves to become like Jesus.